by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction, NHL, NBA, MLB, March Madness, and so much more. It's bananas. Play pinata picks and minute madness, exclusive games with insane odds you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario, use the QR code you see at the bottom of the screen, or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Oilers fans, we're back. It's Zach and Dennis. Recapping a 5-4 game against the Arizona Coyotes that was far closer than we probably wanted. Uh, Zach, what do you think about that one? Yeah, that was not a fun game, I have to say. That was another really frustrating game. Uh, right before we went live, I looked. I just wanted to look at the Oilers' schedule and like the last couple games that they played in. It feels like we haven't seen that AA plus game from the Oilers um, probably since they played Dallas back on the 16th of March. So we're coming up yeah. upon two weeks here where it seems like every single game, Seattle, San Jose, Arizona, Vegas, whatever, they've been playing subpar. Every There's been multiple glaring issues throughout the game up and down the lineup you've had bad goaltending you've had the numerous numerous issues that we can get into uh further but yeah no it's been about two weeks and uh it's been just under two weeks it's been 12 days in two weeks they on that two-week anniversary of the dallas game though is that'll be on thursday you're taking on the la kings you better you if you play like you did tonight you're losing seven to one right like yeah, I mean, look, don't look too far either. I mean, Vegas tomorrow, LA on Thursday. These are games where if you're if you're wanting to contend for that second position in the Pacific, the first position in the Pacific, you got to win these. And you're right at this clip, it doesn't seem like the Oilers are playing their A game. There are a couple players, I think, that are starting to kick it up, get into that playoff season mode, but uh, there's a lot of stragglers. There's a lot of dead weight right now. And I know uh, there's a couple guys that we want to rip in on. Uh, We haven't started quite yet because I wanted to celebrate first Leon's 300th career goal. Uh, So accordingly, we should set the today's light goal at 300, right? (laughs) No, no, we'll make it easy for you guys. Let's uh let's keep it at 29. How's that sound, Zach? 29. 29. I like it. 29. I like it a lot. I thought you were going to go 30, but you went one under that. But no, I'll be happy. I'll be happy with either. But once we hit 29, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah, no. 29 is a good a good pick. Good pick. And hey, uh I've we always talk about light goals, it how it grows the show on YouTube. It's fantastic for the algorithm. But Audio listeners, I don't want to exclude you. Uh, if you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, uh, rate us on the podcast apps. It helps us there as well. I know a lot of folks listen in afterwards, you know, the next morning, the radio or sort of on the drive into work, that sort of thing during a lunch break. So acknowledge you guys there as well. If you listen in uh, on a podcast app, give us a rating there. It really helps us grow the show. Yes. So, so let's let's get right into it now. Uh first period. Like Yeah. Okay. This this game oh. it started right, a little don't. bit wonky. Oh yeah, dude. It was um it was really weird. Uh yeah, no. It, the Oilers came out really hard, right? Yeah. Uh Connor McDavid gets a chance right off the puck drop, essentially. Uh they go and they forecheck hard. McDavid kind of slips in alone and he's one-on-one with Vimelka, tries to go five full stop by Vimelka. Vimelka's a really good goalie. A really, really good goalie. If the Oilers had Carol Vimelka, man, they'd be a top three Stanley Cup favorite. But that's not the world we live in, right? Evander Kane also, early on at least, in the first two shifts. He was hitting really hard. He was really aggressive on the forecheck. He was trying to make stuff happen. He, I guarantee you he got an earful from whether it was the coach or his teammates about the overtime goal last game where he wasn't good last game. And then yeah. uh, kind of even after the first couple shifts of Andrew Kane, you could see just, I didn't even want to say he fell off a cliff because he wasn't playing really well to begin with, but like the poor play just continued from that, uh, the two wingers on that top line. Uh, and then obviously, uh, right in, at the beginning of the first period, the uh, Matias Michelli makes Cody Cece look stupid. Jack lets in a weak goal. What else is new? And- yeah, like, you know what? That first goal, you keyed in on Kane playing a little bit, you know, 
under what we expect him to be at, especially, you know, playoff Kane last season was amazing. Um, you really got to hope he brings up his intensity because on that first goal, he was the man in front of the, the, the crease. You know, there were two coyotes that were basically uncontested and Kane was kind of in between them. So in a way, yeah, you don't want Campbell letting that in, but it's also like a triple screen. Kane wasn't even trying to push guys away. Mm-hmm. You know what? It It's still unacceptable that it went straight in. It wasn't tipped or anything like that. But yeah, not a good having that screen, yeah, that once, was bad. Like, I feel like right off the top, again, this was not a good game. In a, a, this was, a, they won and like awesome, but... We're, we're in the stretch run, and the play needs to pick up considerably here. So we can go into the other issues first. But I think the thing that we should talk about first before we go throughout the game is goaltending. Um, again, the Oilers at, the Oilers in all situations add about five goals, uh, expected goals, right? So they yeah. scored just about what they were expected to. Vimelka was good. And uh, in turn, Arizona only had generated about 3.68 expected goals according to Money Puck, right? So then again, you're saying, oh, well, the defense let Jack Campbell down. He only let in one bad one, this bad read by this guy. At the end of the day, I'm sorry. Like, you are an NHL goaltender. You're paid like an NHL goaltender. Make a save or don't. But if you don't, stop. Like, I I don't like seeing everyone else trying to make up, oh, a good save. He made three good saves here, so it's okay that he let the bad one in. No. He let he let in more goals than he was expected to in terms of the advanced stat models. And here I'm just gonna go real quick here. And he finished with an 879 again. Mm-hmm. That is not NHL caliber. I do not care how many good saves you made, how many tip pucks hit you, where or what. At the end of the day, you let in a amount of goals that is subpar for like what you are paid to be doing. I mm-hmm. I, I don't care. I there is I, there is a you can come up with a million arguments, no justification, none. Well, think about it, right? Like I I don't want to harp on the guy too too much because he is such a nice guy. But if you isolate it to just the play on the ice, he's consistently consistently under 880 right like it's it's not good enough you know if if oil country just has a stable 900 goaltender for both their starter and their backup this team goes far you know 910 amazing you know mike smith was playing at 910 and it was lights out last season in the playoffs yeah, he, he screwed up a couple times. Every game one, it seemed like he would have like a 600 save percentage. Then there was, <laughs> you know, whatever. That was last year. And Avery makes a good point, Chad. Thanks for joining us, Avery, by the way. Hey. Uh, Jack's rebound control, too. Yikes, exactly. Like, every seems like every rebound is going out in the slot. He's lucky that it's missing the stick of an Arizona Coyote or being picked up by his defenseman because those can turn into some grade A chances. And again... It, it kind of there kind of isn't too much to, to say that hasn't already been said about Jack Campbell at this point, right? Like he's in there, he's giving Stuart Skinner rest. Has Stuart Skinner been great the last you know six games he's played? Absolutely not. You need him to pick it up a little bit. Uh, he's been subpar, I guess you could say, uh, for the last couple games at least. But, Definitely cooled off at least from the start. But again, what I've said, what I said last game, well, what I said last show is the peaks haven't been maybe that high there he's been had like a couple games here and there where he's stolen the game and but the but the same in the same vein as jack gamble the valleys have not nearly been as low and as long and as gaping right like you can't you can't do it he's in there to rest you're pretty much guaranteed to finish third in the pacific Honestly, after the LA game, I probably throw Jack a couple more starts just to see what happens. Because hope he gets going. Seattle lost again tonight. You're up on them by five points now. Like you have a little bit of cushion there to lose a game here and there. Not against Vegas. Not against LA. Every other team let Jack start. Give Stu the rest. Because come game one of the playoffs, you're running Stu all the way. Yeah, I, I think you know Vegas once, LA twice, and Colorado. That's the only games which have any sort of test in terms of playoff competition. The others are against Anaheim and San Jose. It those these last couple of ta- these last couple of games you want to try and experiment. And I mean Woodcroft tried real real early into the game, like Yanmark on the first line, but everyone that played with McDavid today just didn't seem to have it you know kane didn't seem to have it no yeah mark didn't seem to have it yeah well, like 
Well, so the the thing with that is, so McDavid is getting dragged down insanely by his wingers. Like, let's just look at the lines here. Like, if we go and look again in terms of the lines and how they play, like McDavid, um, what the hell, he's not showing up on. Oh, yeah, he is on the ice. He controlled 27% of the expected goals for when he was on the ice, right? Like, he's being dragged down so considerably by both Yamamoto and Kane. Neither of them can make a pass. They can barely carry the puck through the neutral zone. You, We're at the point where, yeah, the dry side of Nugent Hopkins Hyman line has been really good, actually, for the last three or four games, I'd say. Yeah. I, I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, we either need to break up that line and give one of Nugent Hopkins or Hyman back to McDavid in order for McDavid to sustain some pressure because it seems like every time the puck touches either of his wingers' uh, sticks, it's it kills the play. It's dead. Kane, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because we have we have seen in glimpses, even at the beginning of this season and in the playoffs last year, of what a healthy Evander Kane playing at his top of his game can do and can be. He had broken ribs and he had a horrible, horrible, horrible wrist injury. We're getting to the point though where the rubber's got to hit the road and essentially, like if you are not able to play on at that pace on McDavid's line than you can like tonight I was genuinely I genuinely believe they would have been better off swapping Devin Shore's wingers with Connor McDavid's wingers and get, <laughs> giving him Derek Ryan and Clint Costin Derek Ryan has some jump to him but you, you're right like Kane I think uh two games ago right was playing on the third line starting and he looked fine with Bukestad and Fogel and and that's the sort of thing where you're looking at Evander Kane and you want him to try and, and bust a couple of pucks loose, get McDavid the puck, and then let McDavid do his magic, right? Kane right now doesn't have that finishing touch, and I, I don't think we really are harping on him too much on that. He's covering mm-hmm. coming back from a wrist injury, so sure, the finishing's not quite there, but he's not doing it's, the sort it- of aggro aggregator sort of role yeah it's, it's the way it's the pace at which he's playing the game it's the decisions that he's making on the ice it's his passing even like everything just seems like it's not even one step behind but like multiple steps behind like i was at the towards the third period i was like oh boy this is looking a little bit like a vander lucci cheer you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like like, Fire tweet. Like, I was seeing the 27 on the back in flashes and like PTSD moments. Like it was, it, it's not been good watching him play. And the thing is though, the thing, the thing is, it seems like the last like six of those games, they haven't been very smooth whatsoever. Like the penalty stretch where we had in the last 10 minutes of the first period here, where they just started calling yours and all these weak calls and whatever. And there hasn't been like a real flow to any of these games. It feels like they haven't been able to get really, um, like, I, I don't even know what the word is, but there just hasn't been like, like that consistency in the play once yeah. lines one through four coming out and driving the play and pushing the game towards the opposition. And you know what I mean? And have you noticed, like, when you look at things like that, where the whole team is not really performing as how we're used to, is it a systems thing? You think, are you seeing, are you noticing that they're I, doing anything differently? To me, again, I'm not a systems guy. If you want to check, the one, the one guy who would point it out if there was something different would be Bruce Kerlock. And I know uh, they kind of, I like game like 41, they started running the one, three, one or whatever mm-hmm. uh, in the offensive zone uh, more. And I know they were like two, one, one or two, two. I don't even know. <laughs> Essentially they were, they were cheating for offense, flying the zone, whatever. And they were giving up higher quality chances uh, to in, in order yeah. to develop uh, better chances for themselves. I'm not 100% sure. And to me, it doesn't even look like it is a systems thing, to be honest with you. It I, I, it looks like it's just, it's one, th- this team goes at the pace in which Connor McDavid goes. And when your top line is being dragged down essentially by like two cinder blocks at the, at this point in time, I you're, you're going to have a tough time developing offense, right? Cody Cece again tonight, I thought really struggled. I thought Darnell yeah. Nurse was pretty good, to be honest with you. Honestly, I think it, it's safe to say that Nurse was actually overplaying because of, you know, Cody having a pretty rough year. You know, Nurse right now without CC, you know, when he's when he's on the odd shift with like Kulak, when he's on the odd shift with Ekholm, he's he's looking like fine. He's looking confident. He jumped up on the rush today. It was great. But man something about nurse cc and they're not necessarily having the most minutes every game they're not necessarily having 
only the the you know enemy team's top top lines they're balancing that sort of with Ekholm Bouchard and Narcisi it's it's just it's just tough to see after you know what was a really good signing for CC now it's starting well, really to go good south. first year i think when it was yeah. signed everyone was like oh geez i don't know about that one ken but after that first year yeah the, it, exactly he played really well but i think it's very telling tonight that when your defense partner donald earth plays t- almost 20 like 22 and a half minutes and cody cc's down at 18 minutes almost four minutes less yeah. than uh than darnell nurse and wise makes a good point chat pointing out that both cc and kane were a minus two right matthias michelli made kane made cc look absolutely stupid i don't know what he was doing on that first goal chasing michelli out into the slot like that yeah falls for a fake leaves michelli wide open and then obviously jack lets in that goal but but that's a that's another shocker and i know we this is an oilers focused show but mm-hmm. uh i know you and i both don't watch a lot of arizona hockey michelli and mcbain and I think Krause is the third person on that line. That that's a killer line. Last time we played against Arizona, we talked about that uh Keller Schmaltz Hayton yeah. line. That was amazing. This, this Arizona today. team, poof, they're yeah, good. They got some good pieces. They got some good pieces, but we'll see. Uh they I'm sure they'll make a trade Michelli for like Brent Seabrook's contract in the offseason <laughs> to get rid of because you can't pay Michelli whatever he's gonna ask for, right? So yeah, no, Michelli's been obviously a revelation for that team. They'll I'm sure they'll use him while he's cheap and then they'll Jacob Chicken him or something and he'll end up in in Ottawa. Why is Cal McDavid was a minus two? I, I don't really attribute that to Connor McDavid. I attribute that to Yamamoto Kane and always, you know, being on the ice with, with those guys, even being on the ice with Nurse and CC. And, and again, I thought Darnell Nurse was fine. It's more Cody CC that I'm complaining about. But then obviously, uh right after that Matias Michelli goal, uh Leon works hard draws a power play he could have drawn four or five the amount of hooking and holding that goes on him when he's when he's protecting the puck skating when he cuts back up towards the blue line and he's waiting to kind of do that cross ice pass so whether it's a defenseman cutting in on the other side or a winger streaking in and the amount of hooking and holding that went on even later in this game and he didn't get received the same call for it was a little ridiculous well, but yeah refing in this game already was just wonky from the well, first period on well, yeah. So the Oilers they they score. Hyman scores six seconds onto the power play, uh, and then you know it's a pr- pr- tic tac toe goal. The Oilers don't need much time, but right. then right after that, uh, the 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 Coyotes come back, and who was it? It was Barrett Hayton, I believe. Hayton on the first, the second goal. Oh, the, oh yeah, that the was, power play goal. That for... was on the power play. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, that that one went off of um, Ekholm, I think it was either Ekholm or Nurse. Oh yeah, that was the that was the bad luck goal where Campbell makes what looked to be a decent save, right? And it just and goes it, right off Ekholm skating back in the net, right? So yeah, yeah, man. And then you just and every time there's a puck behind Campbell, he's a puck near Campbell, he makes the save. He's still looking behind him every time a goal goes in. Now you just see the shoulders go up in the air. You see that giant shrug, like the yeah. even just the body language on him. It's almost just sad to watch. I think that's the big defining factor, right? When you look at Campbell versus Skinner in net, there's something about, there's something to be said about exuding confidence, right? When Skinner lets in a bad goal and he does, he, he has, yeah, yeah, but absolutely. you know, the team looks at him cause everyone's obviously looking at the net and you see Skinner just, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to sweep it out of my net. Let's move on. Right. It's, it's, there's no, posturing there's no sort of emotional attachment to it it's just ah, maybe i shouldn't have let that one in but Mm -hmm. sweep and then back at it yeah campbell when he does get beaten on some bad goals you know there's obviously the infamous look at the glove you know see if it's still (laughs) physical if there's any sort of phasing that went through there um the sort of stares into the ceiling these are all just really bad signals it's signs that he doesn't have any confidence and when your your teammates look at that it's either one of two responses right there's the let's work hard for this guy let's see if we can you know make his job easier and i thought earlier on in this game there were a considerable amount of block shots so a, a good number of coyotes chances where maybe if they weren't grade a they were like grade b chances they they just laid the body costin had a good block in this game nurse had a timely block in this game um but after a while you know if if they're doing their darndest if they're trying to make your job easier and you're still letting in a squeaker or two every game it it's deflating for the rest of the team 
Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, right after, uh, right after they go up to one, it's, you know, less than a minute later, Warren Fogel with some hard work. And I thought that Fogel, Bugstad, Yanmark liner, I think Yamamoto might've been on this line at, at that line at this point, uh, yeah. was really good. Uh, Fogel makes a pass up to Evan Bouchard who snipes it, ties the game right back to two. The Coyotes barely ever have the lead. And then a little bit later, when we get that brigade to the penalty box, a week call after week <laughs> call from the vi- first, it was Vincent DeHarnay on the phantom hold. Then it was dry sidle for a, a, a literally attempted well, slashing. Don't forget. There was the, the too many men call. Oh yeah. Which was just kind of where they uh, didn't have too many men. They had five guys on the ice. So there might have been one leg of someone who was like halfway on the bench. But like that is not a too many men call. That was the yeah. crowd calling something and the refs getting together talking and just giving the Oilers a penalty. That was one of the weirdest too many men calls I've ever seen. It was like one foot on the ice and you don't want to see it regardless, right? You want mm-hmm. your signals to be clear. But yeah, that was a, a weird one. You're right, the DeHarnay one. Well, then um, the McDavid the phantom slash. Call. And then you're like, that happened to McDavid 25 times again, 25 times. And Michelli, all right, he worked, he moved his feet, he earned that call. But at the end of the day, that's ridiculous. And if, again, if you're going to call that Arizona, the third most penalized team in the league, as I said on the broadcast, they're, you're, are you telling me at one point the Powerpoints are like four to one? You're telling me the Arizona only committed one infraction there? Like, are we serious? And then you watch like Dry Settle just get so frustrated lifting his hands in the air. You watch Clint later in the game. We'll get into the one that the missed call on Clint Costin because that really pissed me off. But, anyways, yeah. on that brigade to the penalty box, you have a shorthand, you had multiple shorthand chances. I thought the Oilers. The, the penalty kill scares me a little bit because of how much they look for offense on the penalty kill. I feel like they give up just a little bit more than they can't, than they should, or they are, they, you know, they're giving up a little bit extra in order to, to search for offense. Sometimes they don't get the puck out right away because they're like, is there a guy breaking the zone that I can hit with the pass to try and get like a two on one or kill a little bit more time. But anyways, Yamamoto gets the puck. They miss the cha- they miss the first chance. Anyways, Yamamoto gets back. It looks like it's a two on one that they're closing the gap on. Yamo hits the trailer. Nurse scores shorthanded goal. Fantastic goal for Darnell Nurse. And then after that goal, Yamamoto gets the el- gets the elevation back up to the top line. Uh, uh, in, in favor of obviously over Matisse Yammer. Yeah, and if you if you look at that first period, like just if we just had to encapsulate each period in a word the first period was danger hockey high event hockey you know the oilers scored on every possible scenario a five on five goal a power play goal a shorthanded goal yeah right but at the same time they let two past them as well like it it was just everything happening um at that stage in the game i was thinking this outcome was going to be like a seven four game yeah Definitely some stuff that needs to be cleaned up defensively. Like absolutely the US didn't play well defensively. They didn't really get they didn't get help all over. But in the second period, that was one of the better defensive games. Yep. Like the Oilers kept them at seven shots. Um and it it was it was just it was still interesting hockey. You know, it wasn't the sort of trap play yeah, style. So- but it it was more defensively sound. Campbell was making good stops in the second period. Yeah, I mean the Oilers outshot the Coyotes thirteen to six in the second period. That was definitely their best period of the night. Um, no, yeah, Campbell goes on these stretches where I mean he looks unorthodox as hell, and I'm never gonna be comfortable with him in the net. But he makes decent saves. He's making some high danger saves, and I I appreciate him for it. Right, like yeah. Uh, the the thing is though, as we go down, uh, and we look kind of at the third period, the script really flips because if we just go to five on five, at five on five, the Coyotes uh outchanced the Oilers six to one in the third period. At five on five, they outshot the Oilers eleven to five in the third period. That is not good. Now, a little bit of it is score effects. They did score, I believe, relatively early on, though, to tie up the game uh, in the, the third Michelli period. The Michelli one was, yeah, like four minutes in or something yeah, like that. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. So, I, I t- okay, so a little bit of that score effects, but at the end of the day, the, the one thing that's played yours a, a lot is when they try and sit back on a lead, because this yeah. is not a team designed to, from goaltender to every forward to every defenseman is not designed to sit back on a lead. You sit back, you lose. 
every time, like clockwork. Michelli made them look stupid. Obviously, a really good player. Barrett Hayton ties the game on a very similar goal to Matias Michelli, where they kind of outweigh Jack Campbell and tuck it behind his pad on the ice. Well, it, it's all rebound control for those two, right? Yeah. Like both of those, if they're kicked further, don't have as much danger to them, right? There's at least more time to react. But these were dropped essentially right in front of the blue paint. So mm -hmm. at that distance, you're not going to be able to stretch a pad out to make a, a second save here. And MGD talks about the refing being weird tonight. And this is my really big bone to pick. In the third period, really pretty early on, Clem Costin had a beautiful move where he cuts to the middle of the ice to get a clean shot to the net right from the slot. And he's got a pretty heavy shot when he oh, leans yeah. on it, right? And he is just hooked, completely dragged down. As blatant as it gets, refs right there. That takes away a direct scoring chance. That is a textbook penalty. You call that in Timbits, you call that in Beerly, you call that in the NHL as a penalty every day of the week. Five seconds, they don't call that. The puck goes the other way. Matias Michelli puts it in the end. That goal should not have happened. They didn't yeah. call a penalty because they didn't want the Oilers to start going the power play and score another almost guaranteed goal. That's a textbook game management. We saw a number of that game management bullshit tonight again. That yeah. really, really, really pissed me off. That was ridiculous. That shouldn't happen. And again, right after Michelli scores, the Kyle's have momentum when we talked about Barrett Hayden already. And yeah. Yeah, well, and towards the end of the game, right, that's when the Oilers started getting their power play opportunities again. When it got to 4-4, mm -hmm. then, okay, fine, next one, we, we did a couple on Edmonton, let's go for one on Arizona. And then, of course, there was the follow-up, it was a 5-on-3, um, and Nuge, yeah. Nuge gets a, a beautiful rebound. Well, the hand-eye coordination on that goal, too. Well, so the first penalty they were on, that power play didn't look that good. Who was the original yeah. penalty? Who drew the original penalty? Oh, it was Clem Costin. Again, yeah. on the exact Driving. same move, they call that one. Exa that's where I got even more pissed off. I'm like, you fucking kid, you call that one. You don't call the other one. Whatever. He, it he was draws it. A beautiful drive to the net, right? Like, yeah. that's the sort and, of play that you want Costin to be doing. Yep. Yeah. They call that a penalty. The Oilers get the power play. They don't really have a good power play. They don't really generate much yeah. in terms of chances. But with nine seconds left, the second unit on, Evander Kane at the blue line, stick handling for his life. Yeah, the Coyotes take a hooking call. The Oilers don't have their timeout because they already called it when the, when Barrett Hayton scored. And they just go out. They throw a dry settle McDavid, the top unit back out. And... Quickly, right after the penalty ends, RNH taps on a, a Evan Bouchard rebound. And yeah, it was beautiful play. And thank God they were able to hold on. But damn, the Coyotes' empty net defense tonight when McDavid and Drysaddle were cycling in their zone with no goalie and they couldn't score. Well, wow. it, it was it was Connor, Leon, and Evander, and, right? Yeah. All three of them were, well, Leon already had his 300th, but, you know, Connor and Kane, you know, they wanted maybe that 300th, um, but just no one, no one was able to get the puck into a clean area to just to get a shot off. Um, I just owe it to the Coyotes to make this game interesting, right? They, they have a really great record at mullet. Don't know why. Um, well, cause I, Dude, one of the things, sorry to cut you off, the broadcast night, the shadows, oh, oh my yeah. god. Yeah, yeah, it was. It looked like a shadow game, you know, literally uh, a Yu-Gi-Oh game. I was shocked. I, when I turned on my TV, I couldn't believe, and I, I like, I'm going to be up front, I have not watched many highlights even of games, at, or maybe I've watched highlights, you know, like I haven't really paid attention, but watching that and just being like, oh my god, they need to go to Best Buy and buy some ring lights because this is ridiculous. Yeah, and, and partway through, I feel like the lighting, I tweeted about this, but maybe it was just me or my TV or my eyes, but it felt like the lighting changed. Like they went from like a dimmer orange lighting to a harsher blue light. And I, I thought I was seeing things. I Weird. went to the bathroom, I rubbed my eyes, but it, it's... It's so funny to see, um, I think during, to, towards the end of the game, when it was in the third period, and they panned from Louis DeBrusque in the booth with Jack, and Jack was completely covered because Louis is a big guy, <laughs> but they panned from him down to the ice level, and they are so incredibly close. Like, yeah. 
say what you will about the place and how how awful it is for the league and the NHL's reputation. Uh, I'd like to go to a game in my arena. I wanted to go to this game. I really did. I, I, I wasn't able to make it happen this year. But if the Coyotes end up getting that bill passed to build their new arena, they'll be at this arena for the next three years or something. Uh, yeah. Until they get their home in Tempe, so you have ample opportunities to go to a to go to a game at ASU. No, it was it, and man, it was like sixty percent Oilers fans. It was loud. Every it was an Oilers home game down there, which is a little embarrassing in its own right for the Arizona Coyotes. But man, that would be really cool to go. Well, and the and the tickets were like what a hundred dollars they said something like that. I don't that's know if that's it. American or Canadian. Well, partially, I think a lot of these Sun Belt teams and Canadian teams do come down. They see it as an opportunity to make their money back on their season tickets. So I, I know like Oilers, Leafs, Habs, uh, specifically Canucks. Even there's they they upcharge the shit out of them. Like if you wanted to go see a Panthers Coyotes game at the Mullet, I bet you you could go for seventy bucks. I bet yeah. you the Oilers are charging you upwards of two hundred bucks. Just because yeah. it's mostly also you're you're fighting against Edmontonians for the tickets, right? There's only Honestly. like three thousand available, and they they said around sixty percent of the fans were were Oilers fans. It looked and sounded like eighty percent. Oh my god! You know god, the yeah. chance started so early. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was cr- it was crazy. I I really liked the vibe in that arena. Again, it's not the ideal place for an NHL team to be playing, but you are right. I. Would love to go there, and I and I will try and make the trip out there at some point. MGD in chat has the clarification: a hundred dollars for students that can attend the game. Uh, so that's obviously U.S. Uh, U.S. dollars too, as well. Then yes. Why is Kyle ASU? Uh, you, I don't know if you studied there or if you've been there. ASU campus looks amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. the campus is great. I've seen it. The dorms got like a giant pool right out in front of it. It is you're like you're staying at a five star resort. Like you are there for partying first school second <laughs> it would be a sick place to go to school not, not like great. the universities here not great for the fact that mcdavid had to like walk across a sidewalk to get into the arena though yeah. from his locker yeah. room well yeah i saw that he's walking through the concourse in the morning skate and jeans following him around with the phone that was a little yeah. insane uh one other guy who i thought definitely i talked about it on the last show because uh, he probably had his uh, weakest game as an Oiler. What a bounce back game from Matias Ekholm, right? The guy just flying on the ice uh, for the course he attempts on the ice. Here, twenty four four and only nine against for the Coyotes. He was dominant tonight. I thought he had multiple chances to score. Where Melka robbed him. Uh, Bouchard, the obviously the best one. Bouchard finds him cutting into the zone, and he streaks in past all the Coyotes' defense, flat footed. Does a back end. Vimelka just catches it with the pad. He wasn't able to elevate it. But man, oh man, Matias Ekholm is such a dog. Like him and Evan Bouchard have been the saving grace. They have been just fantastic. And I, I, it's fantastic because not only does it help with the Bouchard pairing, mm-hmm. it's also had a, a great effect on Nurcisi. Because mm-hmm. if you think about how bad they were now and how, or how bad they were then and how they are now, it's it's still a considerable improvement. We harp on them and that pairing a lot, but yeah, like having Ekholm to stabilize and take some of those minutes from Nurse. Mm-hmm. It's been a world oh. of a difference. Oh, yeah. Ekholm's been a dog. Unbelievable. And MGD and chat says, Zach, what about Devin Score? I mean, Devin Shore was fine. Uh, he was on the ice for, uh, he controlled, what, what is it here? I saw like 58% of the expected goals when he was on the ice. Again, the, I thought the bottom six again tonight, like they, they were fine. They were good. It's the top six in, in this wacko zone that we're in right now that's having all the problems. But the thing is with Devin Shore is he's kind of a sitting duck. Like he's fine right now as your 13th, 14th forward. Ryan McLeod coming back will take him out of the lineup. Uh, I'm at the point now where, man, Ryan, I, Ryan McLeod can't get back soon enough and not to be the third line center. He has got to be put back in the top six here. Yeah, I think Ryan McLeod's speed is something that's been just missed so badly. The fact that he's able to drive guys back, like the defenders back and create all this extra room. The fact well, that they don't have that anymore. Sig- it, he's defensively responsible too. Like as, he is, as well, yeah. Yeah, and he can carry the puck and he doesn't kill the play. You give, again, you put McLeod on left wing, You maybe you move Kane over to right wing. I don't know, but you have Hyman on right wing. You just, you got to be able to have a top six where Connor McDavid isn't being 
drag down because McDavid has had one assist now in back-to-back games, I believe here. Uh, that is only because, I mean, again, he got robbed a few times by Evan Melka, but McDavid should be putting up more numbers than this. He's generating yeah. more chances than this. It's just his line mates are killing his production. Well, his one point tonight came from the power play, and it, it was his 140, uh, 140th point. So yes. oh, 10 yes. away, Glad it's close, oh. close to 150. I mean, with these wingers, it'll be it'll be tough. It'll be tough. We'll see. <laughs> He'll get 150 again. Yeah. I believe if you Kane will be fine, but you just can't have Kane and Yamamoto on the same line at the way they're both playing right now. You honestly, you gotta break up the Nugent Hopkins drive set of Hyman line in the meantime. And one of the things that I've been thinking about more and more, because Dylan Holloway came back and he's been playing well, he probably won't be back until the start of the playoffs. Because mm. I don't think the Oilers have the space right now to even call him up. But uh Dylan Holloway, um he, I think he might. You got to give him another look in the top six here. Yeah, I, I think if the the rest of the team is clicking the way it is right now, and it's just not firing, you give him a chance. Um, we saw when he was playing with Connor McDavid how electric that uh, that first line was. Um, looking at it though, like I think the bigger impact is going to be Ryan McLeod coming back. Not only he's such a fantastic player because he, he pairs well with everyone. Like you could put him from line one through four and he makes all of them better. He's such an effective NHL player. He's someone that every team should want to have in their lineup. You can put him in the top six. You can put him as your third line center. He is he is great, and I, and I know he was on the ice wearing a non-contact jersey, I think, a couple days ago in Edmonton, so maybe he's not super close. Maybe he's a week out, week and a half out. I don't really know what the injury was to be able to say here, but, man, him coming back and his speed and his skill would help a lot, and I think you're laughing. I think you see what Wise Kyle said in chat, eh? And <laughs> yeah. I would say, man, I would pound, if I was at the ASU frat parties there with, uh, with the Oilers, I would pound at least 20 beers. I could do that in my sleep. Specifically Coors Banquets. Oh, man, I only Coors Banquets. <laughs> Nothing else. But no, yeah, that would be sick. Mix in a water every six and you're good to go. Hey, um, there we go. Responsible drinking. Exactly. Like um, yeah. said. Yeah, drink responsibly out and, there. And uh, one thing. Oh, sorry. You go. Oh, yeah, you no, go. No. You go, go. Ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, because we're talking about options in the top six. And I saw he got a shift there after the penalty kill. And he was there when there were a little bit, when there were injuries, I believe, to Kane. And Kane was last out. Uh, why isn't Warren Fogel in the top six? Like, I understand yeah. he's doing really well in the bottom six. I think I saw six points in his last seven games. But, man, he's someone who's playing well. You can use him with, on dry saddles line and give one of those diamond energy knockers to McDavid. Like, you're killing yourself not having a top line that's extremely dominant. Well, I think the the hard part there is Fogel plays left, right? And this well, really I exposes... I think I believe he could play both sides, but I'm, I might be wrong. I think in but, Carolina, he played both sides for sure. Either way, it, it does expose the sort of weakness that the Oilers have in this roster, right? And it's just that right side. Yeah, literally right side one through four on one line, one through four and D pairing. Well, like, not Bouchard, but uh, <laughs> everywhere else there is a weakness uh, on the right side. Yeah, no, it's. It's it's tough, and that's obviously that's down the road. That's off season. We're we're past it. We're in the you deal with it. However, you got whether it's Holloway, Raphael, Lavoie, who right. knows? But uh, yeah, no, there's definitely definitely something that's concerning. But next game, Vegas Golden Knights back to back tomorrow. You're gonna need a lot better effort, and I I do not think you can have Yamamoto and Kane on the same line. Like you, if you go into that game. Like you saw the trouble that Vegas gave you last game and you ended up losing in overtime. Vegas is a very, very, very beatable team. But that with the Oilers, you know, hindering their strengths, like by putting right. Kane and Yamamoto on that McDavid line, you're you're gonna be in so tough. Well, and, and just letting up, right? Like we saw mm-hmm. in this third period, that was another issue was just letting up too, too much. Now the golden rest, uh, the golden Knights are rested. So that's yep. going to be another issue there. Um, they haven't played since Saturday and okay. the Oilers are coming in tomorrow on this sort of back to back. The good thing is, um, Arizona and, uh, Nevada aren't, aren't too far, <laughs> not too yeah, bad of a yeah. flight. The, they, they, the Oilers already might be in Vegas. Right. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, you're right. That that Saturday game was disappointing in a couple of ways, right? It was it was good in that you saw the same sort of mentality where if you're down, the Oilers do not give up when they're down. You know, they they try as hard as possible to claw back into every single game. Mm-hmm. But I am concerned, like you mentioned, they didn't play with a lead at all against Vegas on Saturday. Let's let's see how it is uh, tomorrow. Hopefully, hopefully they get out in front of it. I, and hold I don't on. know. I, they beat Vegas the first two times they met this year. I think Mark Stone was in the lineup for those games against Vegas. I had for sure at least one of them he was. Like Vegas is a good team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The thing about Vegas is their goaltending is very iffy. Now the Romper Swall gave a really good effort against Vegas, but like that's one of the few teams where I feel like Edmonton can go shot for shot with them in terms Wingle. of goaltending. <laughs> yeah. But then you go against LA and th- that's what really concerns me. And man, I could not be more yeah. jacked up for that game. Like the game against Vegas is exciting. No doubt. I want to, I want to beat like the, the, these next two games are a lot more exciting than the stretch we've had of Arizona, San Jose, Arizona, blah, 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 whatever. Like these next two games, I'm so excited for. I'm so, I really want to see how they perform. Cause I know that every player in that locker room knows that they have not played their best for a little bit here now. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see how they come out. Now you're right. It is a back to back. They were going to be a little tired, even though it is a short play. That LA game on Thursday, man, that is such an important game. You're going to play them two times in a really close stretch. That is most likely who your playoff opponent is. And I know Wisecall says we're three points back from LA. The way the NHL works with nine games left, I think it's fairly safe to assume that we're not catching them. Uh, Unless ex- LA seriously biffs the two games well, against us. So, so this is the thing. And and and, and I, I agree with everyone. LA is scary. Out of every mm-hmm. playoff team in the West, L- like LA scares me the most. I want to give them their credit before I go on to, you know, destroy them. But the thing is about LA, they're so suspect. And I, I, I want to pull up, I, I might even just try and pull up their schedule here because I, I know LA was like the hot, has been the hottest team in the league, 8 0 2. Let's look at who they've actually beaten in that stretch. And again, you beat who's up, who you're facing, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to just beat the teams in front of you. And then the Oilers went on that crazy stretch in February. They were beating a ton of non-playoff teams too. But okay, it's they lost to Vancouver. They beat Columbus. They beat the Islanders, who I don't believe are in a playoff spot. They they lost to Nashville in the, in the shootout, who aren't in the playoffs at this point in time. They beat Colorado. They lost to Washington. Or they beat Washington. They beat St. Louis. They beat Montreal. Again, three non-playoff teams. Let's go. Keep going. They beat Winnipeg. Kind of bad. They beat the Rangers. Good team. Uh, they beat the uh, they beat the Islanders. They 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 lost the Devils. So Devils wild. Yeah, I'm yeah. going and now I'm going back into like before the trade deadline here, right? So yeah, and uh, you know what? Like, LA is here's the thing, right? LA is a scary team. We've heard that narrative. If the Oilers were to play against LA, we don't really know how the outcome would be, not only in terms of can they beat the Kings, but also in terms of how badly would they be banged up in the second round, even and, if they do. And Michael says in the chat, Islanders are in a playoff spot. Thank you for that. I think so, they're in a wild card spot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that East wild card spot has been flopping around a little bit here. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I do want to say about LA, like, and I know Edmonton gets their crap for not being able for not being able to play defense, whatever. And uh, they, I, the, they did start Phoenix Copley in the last game they played. But at the end of the day, they they beat the St. Louis Blues, who are on a playoff team, seven to six, who sold at the deadline. This, so as much as everyone's hyping up LA and everyone's scared of LA, and I'm right there with you because again, their their strengths are exact they're the anti-oilers is what they are they're exactly built to be the anti-oilers so it's super scary but just as much as thursday is a test for edmonton it is a test for the la kings so don't get mm-hmm. that mistaken this isn't some juggernaut team that like you're not coming it's not the boston bruins who have been hot the entire season this is a team that had a gavrikov and corpusalo and has been on a heater like uh one other thing and i Man, I can't do it right off the top here. I, I I would have need to prepare this before the show. But I would be interested to see what LA's PDO is, you know, since the trade deadline, right? Like, how right. lucky are they Pop getting? Luck. Yeah. Like, I know the save percentage has been through the roof. What's their shooting percentage been, right? And maybe, and they are hot. And again, they're a good team. And I keep on it. I want to preface that. But I don't think they're head and shoulders better than the Edmonton Oilers when the Oilers are playing at their best. This version with the Kane and Yamamoto first line yeah but yeah like uh, let's be honest right 
I still believe if the Oilers put it together that this is the best year to try and make it to the final because the entire Western Conference is just in a tizzy, right? Like Dallas has started to take a step back. Colorado has been surging after they got a little bit healthier. I don't know why the Wild is doing so well right now. I, I have. They're also just a, they're a decent team. They're clicking on, on, all, on all levels. And again, I would need to look into it deeper. And I did this kind of stuff. I'd have to prepare before the show. <laughs> I'm not good at pulling up numbers really quick. I'm back and barely get the expected goals up before we start the show. But yeah, it's something I'd be interested in. I'm as much as I'm excited for Tuesday, that Thursday game against LA at home. Oh man, I have that circled on the calendar. It's a big game, and that's a big game for both teams. Yeah, I, I think it's now into a stage where there's going to be a little bit of experimentation, but it's go time. And yeah. you know what? Let's let's end off the show by talking about the guy who's probably geared up the most, uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. Just the way that he's skating now, the way that he's checking, he's he's hard on pucks, he's hard on bodies. Yeah, absolutely. And MGD and chat, we're for thank you for pointing that out. More likes, more likes, more likes. We're we are uh four away from the like goal. We got 36 of you guys watching now. So you guys want to go ahead and smash that like button, keep keep it up. Let's hit that 29. 29 for Leon. Beginning of the show for Leon as we talk about Leon. But yeah, no, Leon, like yeah. Leon has turned it on. The points have always been there, but now we're seeing that guy who can dominate the play away from Connor McDavid at five on five, whether it is with Warren Fogle, whether he is flanked by two really good players in Ryan Schnockins and Zach Hyman. Leon Drysaddle in the over the last five games, six games now has been, you know, maybe the best player on the Oilers. Like, yeah. He easily, has I think. been great and he has been a force physically. Uh, I, I, I believe he's been significantly better defensively. He has. There are so many uh, scenes in each of these games in the last little while where Leon is the guy back. And mm-hmm. it surprises me because we know Leon as this sort of uh, the most effortlessly, um, you know, talented scorer. Yeah. But he's really been hustling back there, uh, doing back checks, stripping pucks away from guys, crushing guys against the boards if he has that chance to. And it it's been at no detriment to his scoring touch. You know, obviously today's goal was uh was just a beauty. Um I thought it was off of um Nuja's pass, but it it's telling me unassisted on the oh, official yeah. NHL yeah, site. Yeah, I so it. I guess they didn't count that as a dish. But mm-hmm. yeah, Leon at that he's not at Ovi's level quite yet, but in that spot, he is clearly making himself a, a known throughout the league as just a deadly shooter i mean he is 28 he has more power play goals than the arizona coyotes like he (laughs) has a spot on the power play and unlike ovechkin who's kind of at the top of the circle right leon is on the goal line half the time when he takes these one-timers like it is unhuman it is ridiculous it it shouldn't be physically possible but he can hit the smallest of spots if you leave a puck size hole between your head and the crossbars the goalie leon will put the puck in there he is so dominant he is so good he has exceeded every expectation since we drafted him he's at what like 113 114 points now uh i hope he hits 120 um and but yeah he's play he's starting to get that viciousness in him and and you know, you know what the other thing is too. You know what the other thing is too. And I know LA is so improved. I'm going back to LA. They got oh, they got Fiala and they got Doughty back, who was hurt. Again, the Oilers have replaced Duncan Keith, Matthias Eckholm, and Evan Bouchard is a completely new player. So the Oilers have a new top pairing. But you know what the Oilers also have? A healthy Leon Drysaddle and a healthy Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse got hurt four games before the playoffs last season. He literally, he was unaffected. He couldn't rotate. His, his entire injury, yeah. so it was like ripped. I can't remember what happened. But he had like a significantly significant catastrophic injury that would have kept him up for probably a month or two, I believe. Uh, and I remember hearing rumors that it might have even required surgery in the offseason. Like that was definitely an option, even though he didn't get surgery. He was broken in the playoffs. He couldn't rotate. He could barely skate. So to have those two healthy going into the playoffs, game changer as well. Like game changer. The Oilers 
at when they, if they can hit their stride at the right time and they can get the guys who aren't going and at least it's not you know we're not saying oh Leon's not going anymore it's this the kind of the secondary players and I would even argue Yamamoto he should be a secondary but he's more of a tertiary player at this point because we do have I believe three options right now in Fogel Holloway and McLeod who could go into that spot seamlessly yeah, there's a, a not a whole lot of games left, so if they want to do some experimenting or test some black aces, there's not a lot of time to do we so. And we hit 29. Hey, look at that. Uh, 29, as we were talking about, Leon. Uh, I think that's, that's as good of a point as any. Um, to recap, Oilers, 5-4 victory over the Coyotes. But you're right, Zach. The next two games... Tuesday, so tomorrow night against uh, Vegas Golden Knights at 8 p.m. Mountain Puck Drop. Uh, you'll be having the post-game show for that one. Yeah, just me again, back against Vegas. I've gotten both Vegas games by myself. Who would have thought? Let's, let's hope the outcome is a little bit more favorable for you there. And after that, Thursday, big game against the LA Kings. You teed it up, but also... Big show for us, game over Edmonton. Uh, you'll be there. I'll yeah. be there. And we'll have moderator Rob, producer oh, yeah, Rob, Rob, editor Rob. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. Yeah, Rob's Rob will coming. be here. You know things are going to be flying because he is a Kings fan. And you know what? Uh, I don't think the two of us combined are able to, you know, dish the heat like Rob can. Oh, no, I'll dish the heat. I'll, I'll cook him. <laughs> I'll cook him. I don't care. I love them. I'll cook them. But uh, tune in. You. Tune in to the Thursday show. Tune into the Tuesday show as well. I'll be in chat supporting Zach as well. Um, that's it for us tonight. Thank you so much for watching. And Zach, where can they find you? You can find me at ZWheel97 on Twitter. Uh, Dennis, where can they find you? <laughs> <laughs> on twitter dennis lee y-e-g that's it for us tonight um it's a good game at least yeah. we won and Absolutely. let's play la bomba baby. play la bomba baby have a good night everyone <laughs> good night stay safe see you tomorrow game over powered by sports interaction canada sportsbook